everyone, and welcome to episode 140 of Fun with Cars for coverage of the Singapore Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And we had not the most dramatic of races today, um, although there were some good moments. It was there were uh, great moments. It was ultimately a Vettel masterclass, um, as has become, you know, the, I guess the, the prediction lately is just sort of, oh, I bet Vettel's going to do awesome, and he does. So not terribly exciting. Lots of booze on the podium and all that. But uh, yeah, the jeering was impressive. In fact, I in fact it might may have been the single most impressive part of the weekend. No, it was. Come on, Kimi's passing the outside. There was there were some moments. Okay, that that was pretty good. But the fans, that was impressive. Yeah, it's 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 kind of gotten dumb. I mean, people, uh, you know, okay, yeah, the races are getting dull, and you paid your money for the thing or whatever, but. It doesn't mean, you know, it's not, it's not, booing Vettel is not the way to do it. I mean, Vettel is doing exactly what a Formula 1 driver should be doing, which is winning races. And uh, if the rest of the competition around him isn't up to that, well, that's not his fault. He shouldn't slow down and, I don't know, maybe I guess if he crashed off into the wall, people would get excited about that. But that's not what he's nice going to do. And he's nice about it. And he's been consistently nice about it. I, you know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't as if Vettel's been a jerk and he's been pushing other people off the road and he's been saying mean things and he's been callous and he's been... Uh, you know, too confident. It's not that. I mean, he's a nice person about it. He is German and very um, <clears throat> Teutonic about the way he puts things together. But other than that, he's just doing his thing. Yeah, you well, can't I, fault him for I that. I mean, okay, there are there are things you could fault him for with team orders back in Malaysia. With you know, he's too slow. Get him out of my way. I mean, there are there are things, but like that was a long time ago, and this yeah. is you know to, to to week after week, you know, here in, in Monza, uh, here in Singapore, you know to really have this level of uh i don't know just issues with him or whatever anyway that's that's kind of dumb we don't need to give those people any more attention but um yeah so i mean vettel just just owned the the weekend i mean he had he did his first run in qualifying in q3 he had a two second lead after one lap and that was the opening lap right and he started the opening lap behind nico rosberg yeah effectively so he started on pole Nico Losper, Nico jumped ahead right away, but then went wide in like turn three or something, and that was the end of it. Right, and that was the last time anyone was ahead of Sebastian Vettel. You know, got enough of a enough of a lead to and and, and was able to hold on to his tires really long. I mean, everyone behind him had already pit. He was able to comfortably pit. It was just like he just was on it. It was just all worked out really well. Um, not quite the same for his teammate Mark Webber, um, who was having an okay race, um, kind of mid pack, uh, mid uh, you know mid top 10 or whatever um until it all kind of came unglued where he had gearbox problems had a short shift whatever then uh it with uh, on the very last lap of the race his car did burst into flames and he had to pull over and stop um he did a, a hitchhike and got a ride back with alonzo which was nice of alonzo it was a nice little moment um there are some some photos of uh some of the best uh f1 lifts as they say um from recent history um uh, and then including one of um Mark Webber giving Alonso a ride back around uh, on, the, <laughs> on the closing lap. So, you know, they've returned the favor, and it's sort of, uh, sort of a so nice... So this, this was the returned back-scratching moment. Right. Yeah, I think that was uh, pretty much the deal there. But, uh, you know, of course, we had the one safety car um, with Daniel Ricciardo. Um, we didn't actually really see exactly what happened. I mean, it, his car he was well, in the wrong spot. Well, basically, his and... inside front locked up for the left-hander, so it was his... Uh... You know, his left front locked up and, you know, kept the car from turning. Yeah, but it just it seemed like it was already kind of, it had already, you know, gone wrong early then. Like, why that happened, I guess we don't really know. But it just kind of, yeah, he just, you know, nosed it into the wall. 
uh, that was enough to bring out a safety car, which bunched everyone back up. And, you know, to try to build some drama and so on, the commentators are saying, oh, man, the lead's, you know, Vettel's 10-second lead is just evaporate or 20 seconds or whatever it was at the yeah. point. Oh, and there it is again. And <laughs> a few laps later, he's back. It was like there was really no reason. This was not like he's out, but now the car has a problem and he's nursing it or anything really dramatic. It well, was there's like, been there's been times in the past where Vettel wins and it's like, oh, man, you made it look easy. It's like, well, maybe it looked easy, but it really wasn't easy. You know, I was struggling for this. I was pushing all the time. This person keep me honest, whatever. This race, he could. It was like, yeah, that that one was pretty easy. I mean, because it it was. He controlled the pace. He literally had um, he had more speed there if needed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was proved with the safety cars. It's like, oh, I should go quick again. And otherwise, it was just tire management. And his tire management uh, race pace was fine, no problem. People couldn't handle that. So. This one really was easy, and I don't know what it is. I have um, a hunch that Vettel is properly a truly impressive driver that is a once-in-a-generation driver, right? But in addition to that, I think what we've what we're seeing here is a phenomenal car designer in Adrian Adrian Newey and engineers building the entire car around. Sebastian Vettel's preferences for driving, building the car to suit Vettel in the most fundamental of ways. Because if you look at the 2010 championship, think about how much more honest Mark Webber kept him, uh, Vettel. But since then, and he's gone on just get stronger and stronger, now I'm, I just can't believe that is all just pure Vettel pace above and beyond everyone else. I think it's a car that is really designed top to bottom, for exactly his needs. If they were to build the Robin Warner race car, I bet I'd be faster in that than if I were to just be in some random race car. Right, but you still have to be the amazing driver Robin Warner to get that car faster than everyone else in Formula 1. It's check. not... It's not. Well, check. Right, exactly. So it's really just the problem is, I don't know, getting Adrian Newey on board, I think is the only... Yeah, you know, I am here. one Adrian Newey but, short of right. greatness. So, so, I mean, that, that I think can explain the delta to some degree between... Vettel and Weber, and why two, you know, basically identical cars have such different results. I mean, why one's, you know, gearbox falls apart and then bursts into flames. That that's a bit of a disparity to how successful Vettel was. I'm, I'm, um, if body language is my response to that, Jim, yes, which is uh, 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 anecdotal uh, evidence right. to a certain degree. But it still takes. I mean, you know, it takes a good driver to get into that situation and and be able to make such amazing results uh, around a car that's built that well. I mean, you could say. That uh, that the McLaren is built around Button right now because Checo's the new you know rookie that they got in and you know Button's got you know he's the senior guy in the team he's got what he wants out of the car he's got the good deal and, and whatever um, and yet it's not that he's out dominating over everyone else so it well, still does but, take this level of but per- we're talking years of build up of this here now and I mean look at the performance between the two in 2010 and then in 2011 and then in 2012 and then in 2013 it's just been widening and widening and widening in my opinion and uh, I think. That's not solely because of this, but I think that is a factor. And I'm going to go on to say that all of us should take notice and keep a real close eye on what Mark Webber has to say about this January 2nd of 2014 when he is um, no longer hungover and off contract with Red Bull because I think we're going to hear some more honest opinions about why he left the team and how he felt about the team at that point. Yeah, could be uh, could be interesting if he were to yeah, write a write a. a a book or a blog post or something that really kind of lays out uh, you know, what it was like from uh, 
from there with uh, with no reservations about you know losing his job or whatever. Although he is still, I mean, as I understand it, the the Porsche deal is still a Red Bull sponsored thing. So it may not be that's, that that's fair point. big of a departure. Okay, he's not with the Formula One team, but still, you know, you don't want to uh, you know piss off those that uh, those that sign your pretty massive checks. Right, but with with Weber, you got to believe there's a fair amount of pent up energy there that needs to be vented out one way or the other. Um, we did have what I think at the end it was very spread out, but we had a pretty good scrap for um, the podium, and then definitely the rest of the top ten ended up being a very fluid. Um, competitive race at the end. Yeah, certainly sort of 6th through 11th, that kind of range was, uh, you know, was really quite competitive for a while there. And 4th and 5th came in late. Right. Because that was the two Mercedes. Yep. And uh, so it was, uh, you know, we had these <laughs> these moments of um, the McLarens looking strong and, you know, we, where we weren't quite sure on tire strategy who was going to pit again or who was going to go long, whatever, sort of the last third of the race. Yeah. And it was like, oh, wow, McLarens in, like, third and fifth. We're like, yeah. oh, that's really good. You know, if these guys can finish there. And then, oh, wait, no, they did keep moving down yeah, backwards and backwards. Yeah, they were catching and, up and then being surpassed. Right, and for yeah. a while, Gutierrez was running in, like, eighth, and they were like, oh, yeah, this is great. If he can hold on to this, then, you know, it'll be his first points and whatever. And, yeah, no, that didn't work either. <laughs> so it was sort of like, you know, when while the strategies were still getting sorted out, uh, you know, or, well, you know, they weren't, they probably sorted out they weren't apparent to, uh, to us what was going on um you know yeah it sort of looked like it could have been a couple interesting moves uh, a couple interesting moments um we did have uh the the two retirements as we talked about daniel ricardo f- with a uh, crashing into the wall but also roman grosjean that was an unfortunate situation um where they said hey you got a, you've got right. a, a, i think with the, as they called it an air leak um but you know problem with the pneumatic uh you know air pressure system in the engine for the valves right. and so on we it is important to note that that was not his fault at all right um, that we know of. I mean, you know. Well, okay, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy supposed to tighten that bolt. But no, so they just radioed him in and said, hey, we have a problem. And, uh, and he's like, no! And they're like, pit. And he just like yells on the radio. He's like, no! Like, I mean, I guess out of frustration. <laughs> he's but, like, but I am Le French. But I want to do well in this car. So yeah, he pulled in. They worked on his car for a while. Had a <clears> Renault <throat> mechanic come out there. who was poking at it. And, uh, you know, went out for another lap. It, it kind of went wrong for him. He pulled in and, and retired the car. So that was unfortunate because he did made it. That was on lap 37, you know, out of 61. So yeah. made it, uh, you know, most of the race distance, but um, then was not able to, 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 to finish. And, of course, he was he started third. I think he was running sixth at the, at the time. So it was still, you know, would have been, yeah. been a great result. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, could have could have been podium, you know, who knows. But, uh, I mean, he was he was definitely looking racy and being solid. And, you know, his back probably felt better than Kimi's. So, you know, he had things going on. Right. Um, but speaking of that, I, I do want to talk about uh, the other two folks on the podium, uh, Fernando Alonso and uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Um, Has there been any news with them? I don't, I don't know. If well, yeah, I, I'll get right to it. Uh, Fernando Alonso started the race seventh. And just what an impressive, um, what an impressive start of the race. And it was really pretty simple. He, he he has become a very brilliant race strategist, almost clairvoyant in his ability to see how the starting grid is going to unfold ahead of him and to maximize what he can do himself. So this time he just he made the decision early to stay to the outside, break really late in the outside, and he was able to make... Uh, seventh to third by turn two, basically. Yeah, just really guessed correctly slash predicted well, you know, slash acted on it, you know, executed the whole thing. Just was able to sort of, like you say, see what was going to happen, how people were going to react to each other. And it obviously just came together perfectly for him. Right, exactly. And uh, Kimi Raikkonen, man, okay, ended up on the podium. 
and started thirteen. Yeah, so moved up ten places to earn that podium spot, and you know, bad back, blah blah blah. I'm not trying to minimize the fact that that happened, but I also don't feel like that means that podium should be worth double points or something. Um, he he had brilliant race strategy and again made great use of the Lotus and had a fantastic pass on Jensen Button around the outside of the corner. He was just able to outbreak and outgrip throughout the corner um, and get around Jensen Button. It, it was very impressive. And uh, just in a classic Kimi Raikkonen moment, he's like, yeah, no, nah, it was easy. It wasn't that bad. They're like, well, it looked, looked really hard. And he's like, eh. Maybe from the outside. Maybe from the outside. And the car was, you know, the thing, because I could see where I was going. So, <laughs> yeah, we would, he's like, I was able to break on the line, and that was okay. And then I knew what the grip would be, and that was okay. So, well, thanks, Kimi. Yeah, he was like, oh, so it was okay then. So it was okay. Yeah, so, I mean, in that sense, it became, I, frankly, it was a pretty boring race to watch for a while. But then the last five, ten laps became a lot more exciting, just the way everyone was, everyone's strategies were catching up with e- each other, and then it had to be decided on track. And we're like, yes, decided on track. That's what we like. Yeah, because that was, you know, the Mercedes working their way through the field. And doing uh, a very good job the of that. McLarens. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, Hulkenberg was in the mix there in the Sauber. He ended up ninth. Uh, Checo Perez in front of him in eighth. Jensen Button in seventh. Um, you know, all these guys were finishing pretty close to each other. Um, but, uh, and then, yeah, so we had uh, Lewis right behind Nico Rosberg and looking yes. to sort of get around him and pass him. Um, and then moments later, somehow Nico woke up and decided, oh, we can pass yeah. some guys and move on. And then Nico he was, was having way up the field, it. right? Yeah. It was just like, you know, I don't know what, what the change was, but uh, then it was, yeah, making the way through traffic. And, uh, and, then, and then Lewis was able to get through all the same traffic except past Nico. So, you know, it ended up Nico in front of Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, Massa was in the mix there as well. He ended up sixth, so yeah. solid result. Solid result for Massa. And a really, I mean, I have to say, a really solid performance for Nico Hulkenberg as well. Um, Hulkenberg scored, he finished ninth, scored two points. He now has 19 points um, total for the season. He's 13th in the championship. Now, he's only a few places ahead of his uh, teammate, Esteban Gutierrez, who's 17th in the championship, but... Nico Hulkenberg has scored 19 points for the season. Esteban, Esteban Gutierrez, none. Right. I mean, this guy, he's he's proven time and time, time and time again to us that he's a really solid driver. And he's just right on the cusp, cusp of getting to a stronger team. But, you know, I learned uh, very recently about him almost having a Ferrari deal. And then, obviously, that ended up being Kimi Raikkonen. So uh, where is this guy going to end up? To me, that's a bigger question. Well, possibly Lotus. I mean, I guess as uh, I'm sure our followers know, but uh, we haven't talked about it on the show yet. Of course, there's been um, some confirmations of Ferrari. Ooh, ooh. We should talk about it on the show. Yes. Yes. We'll do that. So, oh, man, I see, that's why I'm the idea guy. Yeah, and so as of, um, you know, a, f- a few days after our last podcast went right. out, um, you know, it was confirmed Massa's out. And then it was, the, you know, for a day, sort of questions about, oh, who's going to be in? Is it going to be Hulkenberg? And, and so on. Um, and then, of all, please, of all people, Kimi Raikkonen was confirmed as, uh, as coming alongside um, Which I was not Fernando expecting, Alonso. I'll be honest. Right, yeah. I mean, as we said on the show, you know, we never, of course, rule anything out to our credit. We never said, that's never going to happen. We're sort no, of like, well, no. we'd be surprised if this or that. You know, maybe it'll happen, whatever. But, um, yeah. I mean, good for Ferrari, because they were a little bit pompous about the way they treated Raikkonen, in my opinion. And Raikkonen isn't. You know, I'm not saying Raikkonen was always being the bigger person here, but 
you know, he has he is the hottest talent that had availability right. that uh, Ferrari could scoop up. And apparently, he uh, Raikkonen was not getting his paychecks from Lotus. So, right. of, of all the like, oh, the team maybe you know good success and engineering and blah 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 and whatever, and it's sort of like, so Ferrari calls and they're like, yeah, we we can actually pay you what we say we're going to pay you. <laughs> And he's probably like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, pain. And but I mean, the to, company car is not bad either. To to Raikkonen's credit, and I, I think this is something that is worthy of mentioning for Raikkonen. He's not a diva, and he was showing up regardless of the paycheck because he wants to be racing. He loves racing, and I think that is something you can use as evidence towards that. It's like, okay, he wasn't getting paid. I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. And I'm sure there were people handling that, but that wasn't something that was going to make him cause a stink because it's not about the money. It is about the race, after all. And he probably has a couple of pennies left over. Right. No, not that he's yeah going to be out on the street, um, but uh, you know, I guess just working with a company and thinking, okay, how is it going now and how is it going to go for next year and beyond? If you are promised a certain salary and you're delivering and blah, 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 and yet not getting your paycheck, that certainly is going to be like, okay, this this may keep me looking for other options yeah. uh, rather than, okay, it's not that he's going to turn up and say, oh, I'm not going to race until I get my money. You know, right, it's not like right. that. But, exactly. But in the off season or whatever, if he didn't have this deal confirmed, it would be, you know, looking at his options for next year and thinking, well, is this the best way to go? So the big question that everyone's talked about is kind of what is this dynamic going to be between Alonso and Raikkonen, um, you know, for uh, for Alonso not being the clear number one anymore and or so on. Or being the clear number one and how Raikkonen would react to that. I right. mean, that it could go, in my opinion, it could go either way. So a lot of people have, you know, and there have, of course, been people interviewing Alonso and talking to him and so on. And, uh, and then the other corollary to this whole rumor is that um, people are talking about Alonso possibly moving to McLaren. Which is a, I think, I think very unlikely. Of course, we can't rule anything out. And the thing is, uh, uh, you know, Martin Whitmarsh and the guys are basically. It started out with an interview with McLaren, and they sort of, sort, you know, said, "Oh yeah, well, anyone would be happy to have Alonso um, on the team. Obviously, he's a strong driver and you know, really strong driver and blah blah blah." Um, and then, and and then Alonso said, "Oh, I'm not interested in going to McLaren." Um, but what's been more interesting has sort of been that that. Uh, you know the the whole inter teammate battle thing because of course that was famously 2007 at McLaren that, Alonso right. and Hamilton that was really what turned Alonso into the perfect villain Alonso right. you know what I mean that's what started it all uh, and well I mean that in the in the facial hair um, I think <laughs> that was that was also the part facial of it. hair played a role I'm, yeah, yeah I agree with that um, but and so he's he's sort of you know looking back on that now five years later. Um, and, and saying, you know, it wasn't that Alonzo had a... Jim, six years later. Right. Yikes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, wasn't that, um, you know, Alonzo had a problem with the, the, the team itself or even with sort of, you know, being treated as a number two or something. I guess what he said is his problem was, I guess, I think how um, how... Hamilton focused the team was just like you were talking about with Vettel you know they had Hamilton was this up-and-coming rookie they had been dealing with Hamilton especially Ron Dennis you know since he was nine or seven or whatever Ten, I think it was but yeah, yeah. and young and, age you know had been had been working with him for so long and it wasn't like it wasn't so much the McLaren Alonso problem you know in relationship that he had a problem with it was sort of like how much this, in his opinion they favored Hamilton so it wasn't that he even had a problem with Hamilton himself you know he sort of and Hamilton's at another team now and blah 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 you know and they've had moments on the podium or whatever it's yeah, like sure. there's not really animosity there it's just and I there's think, there's obviously mutual respect between right. the two and I, and I think you know I think 
he probably has a point. You can imagine if you are, you know, double world champion, you know, and it was, of course, just recent double world champion at that point, um, Fernando Alonso, and you go into a team and you're like, they're so focused around this young kid who's, you know, not yet won anything. Um, and Wait, okay, he's won once. Okay, twice. Okay, he's leading. Whatever. Right. And, but but then all you know. But then if they both lost out uh, in the championship to Kimi Raikkonen of all people. Yes. Um, by one point in the final round. So which is sort of looking backwards, and I think Fernando is one of these guys that probably was thinking about this back, you know, back then looking forwards. Is if they had, if, if McLaren had focused on one driver or the other, he could have won. Um, if they if they'd focused on Alonso, and I guess which. Is, and I guess if he's saying they focused on Hamilton, then that was the problem. But you know, if they, if they had you know doubled down on Hamilton on, on Alonso, then he could have won over Kimi Räikkönen. It could have been a third consecutive world championship yeah. in another team. Like how would have been epic? How yeah. amazing would that have been? Switch teams, blah blah blah. And the they, one and they thing didn't. though to like throw a little bit of caution into that is that this is Alonso's opinion that they were Hamilton focused, right? Whether what that is an objective reality is could be different. In his opinion, it could be the fact that they weren't Alonso-focused made them Hamilton-focused. Because, look, they're giving Hamilton a car, too, and he's got his own garage as well. And what's going on? Ah! Yeah, that's that's very true. And uh, and this is all his opinion. And also, of course, this is all what he's saying publicly, which, as we know, isn't always, you know, the whole truth. No, so much as sort of, you know, what you want to say to get your point across and so on. So I will say, though, to your point, that that is interesting. His um, his remarks about Ferrari are getting sharper and sharper, you know, and there was that public thing about uh, Luca de Monazello, uh, you know, kind of uh, slapping Alonso's wrist a bit and saying, hey, you know, dude, you work for us. Right, and, exactly. And us is Ferrari, this huge team with, you know, the whole history and whatever. And yeah, just just after this weekend, he said it was sort of. I think the, uh, well, there was one that was sad and one that was scary. I think the McLaren said that their car Alonso was sad. Alonso was sad. Okay, Alonso, Alonso was, was sad. He was sad. Button was buttons was scary. Right. So I mean, yeah. There's definitely I, at a weekend like this when you look at you know all of your team and all the people at Ferrari, for example, working as hard as they are, and the driver being one of the best in the world and whatever, and there was just no chance ever in the race that they were going to catch Vettel. You know, it's really one of those you just look at. What are we doing wrong? What what is it? These guys with the same set of rules and the same tires and the same fuel and whatever, like. What is it that they are doing that we are not doing? It's it's really uh, you have to sort of look back at yourself and your in your you know structure and try to figure out you know what, what is going on here. Right. So I think after right. getting schooled at an event like this, um, you know we're going to see those kind of uh, reports of people sort of like you know the probably and certainly the executives and shareholders and sponsors and the whole thing is sort of like, hey, what are you guys doing? You know you talked about these step forward and you talk about upgrades to the car and you talk about oh yeah we made this change and that change. It's like. Red Bull is still out here schooling you guys. Like, what's right. going on? Exactly. So definitely fingers are going to get pointed and so on. But yeah, so I think... Um, but I have to say, though, there was a lot of build-up and momentum to Alonso going to Ferrari. And Alonso said he wanted to end his career here, as Jensen Button did about McLaren. Which, obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, really. But it it does seem like it is the traditional pinnacle of your career in Formula 1 to get a Ferrari seat. And... I think there would be a little bit of resistance to hold that back. You know, Kimi Raikkonen was kind of nudged out when he left Ferrari, and Kimi Raikkonen also is a pretty unique personality. Right. I I, I don't. I, I have a hard. To, I think. I think uh, McLaren would have to offer um, Alonso a lot for that to really happen realistically. And I mean, I think McLaren would have to be very careful, having worked with Alonso in the past. Right. Well, you know, Ron Dennis is no longer involved, and that was really, you know, that was, you know, 
you know, it was the Ron Dennis Lewis package that I think was. It's true, um, but Ron Dennis has been showing up to more and more events, and I don't know if that's ultimately just uh, window dressing, but yeah, makes me curious. You know, so any, it, it is worth understanding that you know the the McLaren team of today is not the same uh, as the McLaren team of, of 07, and and you know there are of course differences and changes and whatever. But and and of course you know in the off season um, from from last year it sounded uh, it, it sounded crazy for Lewis to go from McLaren to Mercedes, and obviously that's turned out well. So you know Very true. another big shakeup. If there are things behind the scene, if they say hey look at these you know check out these dyno numbers and you know look at what our engine's capable of doing and look at what Ferrari's doing and so on. I mean there may be some some wise moves to make but and it could be like okay ferrari whatever but alonzo we could give you a honda in 2015 <laughs> yeah they get really good hey if that new nsx is coming out you know that's oh, yeah. something there it's no something ferrari there. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but who knows you know um so i have to ask uh your opinion about this um all this talk about the silly season kind of stuff where does felipe massa fall in all this in your opinion dtm you think that's well likely as anything? I mean, or IndyCar or something. I mean, I don't know. I I I don't imagine we'll see him again. There's a possibility of him going to Lotus, um, which is kind of the step sideways. You know, I mean, Lotus having some stronger results than the Ferraris and True. so on. But I don't know how how uh, abil- how able he would be to sort of go over there and immediately be successful. And if it's you know, like we say, he's not at the beginning of his career now. It's winding down. He sort of had his shots and had. You know, very come very close several times and so on. Hey, he's um, a he's a Grand Prix winner, and you know and he was very much fighting for the championship in 2008 and somewhat in 2009. He has things he can look back on yeah. with pride. Um, so would it be you know? I mean, of course, Rubens uh, after he left Ferrari, then it was you know Honda, and it was terrible for a while, and then it became Braun, and all of a sudden was sort of good again, and then it, you know just kind of well it gave Rubens a couple more race wins, right? And it was it was sort of it, it did seem like. A, a new Rubens, you know, sort of he was he was more more open and not not so corporate and whatever, and sort of like having fun with it and really enjoying it and and, and whatever. And then now he's he's you know moved on and and done Brazilian stock cars and whatever, but um, occasional indie racing and and uh, and Rolex series as well, actually for Barrichello. Um, so I I imagine something like that for Massa, but. Um, Massa is the only uh, will be the the last Brazilian driver actually. If he quits, there's there's no one else actually in the field right now. There's Brazilian, which is weird because sometimes it there's is, like five or six dudes. Yeah. Um, but you know Senna, there's no 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 more you know uh, Bruno Senna involved. Um, you know PK Junior. Yeah, I was um, just gonna say now's PK You know there's Jr. there's these other random guys that we forget are Brazilian that are Brazilian. <laughs> Yeah, those other no, random guys. Some, you know, some of the some of the youngsters and whatever. And you're like, that guy's Brazilian, really? You know, it's well, I don't. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, you know, Latin America is still definitely there because we have Venezuelan Pastor Maldonado, um, Mexicans Sergio Perez and uh, Esteban Gutierrez. I mean, there's still Latin America and South America uh, culture there, yes, certainly. But but Brazil really is its own deal. Of I mean, course. Partly, of co- I'm not I mean, trying to, yeah, Partly because obviously there's, there's Interlagos, there's Senna, there's the whole, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the final thing in the championship. Obviously Brazilian race fans are completely nuts in a great way. Um, and, uh, and also of course, economically and, and whatever, you know, looking at, of course, you know, we have races in Brazil and Russia and India and China and, you know, all the way the economy is going and whatever. So I think, you know, Bernie Eccleston from a business side of point side of things wants Massa to stay in or someone, you know, another Brazilian to get in to well, keep the interest high in Brazil. To put my business school hat on for a moment, Brazil Uh-oh. is one of the BRIC countries and, uh, that means it's one of the strong developing countries, uh, if if you want to know more about the 
BRIC countries, uh, you know, Google it. But in, in brief, very brief, it's Brazil, India, China, that type of country where they are not uh, traditional developed countries, but they have been making a lot of headway in becoming um, world powerhouses in uh, macroeconomic ways. Yes. Yeah, big words. So obviously you'd want that um, for you know sponsorship dollars and companies making big waves in, in developing countries and so on. Yes. Um, which is obviously, you know, Bernie Ecclestone also I think has a business hat that he wears sometimes. Oh. So he probably knows all that. Oh, yeah, but it's probably like a sorcerer's hat, you know, like a la, you know, Harry Potter. He also has a, yeah, a business staff which he uses to, you know, gesture at things angrily. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, the other question jokes. then is... Um, what is the is lotus? Well, whatever billions. What is the lotus lineup for next year, though? I mean, oh, that's that's the question now. So we know it's not it's not Raikkonen, um, Grosjean, maybe, probably. Yeah, it seems you know, reasonably solid. I have to say. Um, I mean, if they I could, mean, he had a he had a strong showing today um, when he was in the car. Anyway, he was a little whiny <laughs> when he was out of it. But respect that was a, that was a difficult blow to your to your uh, season. I admit that. Um, so I, I think his chances are solid. If and as as he gets older, he can get more consistent. I will say that I'm very hopeful that uh, Hulkenberg gets a serious look, and then I would be equally hopeful that Lotus continues to perform well because I think Hulkenberg is one of those talents that, if he can keep patient, can eventually get himself in a good ride. Because you know I'm actually reminded of Adrian Sutil. He was a guy that I think showed real promise earlier on, but mm -hmm. then I think just number of factors made him become an also ran. I mean, you stab one dude in the neck with a champagne glass, and it just <clears throat> all it just catches up with you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Durest is kind of in a in a similar issue, I think, where he he was a young guy that showed lots of promise, but now it's starting to get a little little less clear that he's worthy of a top team. Right. And of course we you know, we've got all these uh all these guys in the various ladder series in G P two, G P three and so on that are looking promising and having good moments and whatever, including American Alexander Rossi and yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, some of these other guys that are uh, that are waiting in the wings. So it's not just who do you pick out of the current lineup of F one drivers, but hey, is it time to bring someone else up into the fray? Um speaking of waiting in the wings Well we didn't finish the Lotus thing. Oh, we should finish the Lotus thing. So um so the fact so Grosjean is French, of course, um, and as you know, Lotus is ultimately really kind of Renault underneath, um, and Total being one of the main sponsors. You know, lots of French companies involved. Which, um, um, as as few people know, it's actually pronounced ta ta. Is that is that even true? The ta So if if Grosjean if can't come to a deal with, uh, you know, by the way, it's Grosjean. Yeah. Um, can't come to you know some kind of terms with uh, with Lotus or that doesn't work out. Then there's um... oh sorry it's Loto. Can I finish? I'm sorry it's actually Finno. Okay, <laughs> you're about to be Finno. <laughs> yeah, just turn off my mic. <laughs> I will pretty soon. If we get any poetry, man, you're just getting cut this time. Um, so would another, it come with a lime? Another possibility would be uh, Jean Eric Verne. Who now, uh, yes. having you know, getting you know, call it snubbed, whatever, looked over for the Red Bull drive. Um, Ricardo would deserve that between the two. But you know, he doesn't have a whole lot to prove to STR at this point. You True. know, it's like, okay, I've did, I've done my time, I'm doing my thing. You know, have some good results, and I don't get that drive. 
I don't think there's going to be another Red Bull drive opening up all that soon. So, um, you know, and if so, would they pick Vern or would he still stay at STR for another two years or whatever? So anyway, so he may be looking to, you know, move up in another direction. So that actually, uh, Lotus uh, with Jean-Arc Vern could be interesting because I would keep the, the French connection. It would True. be another sort of solid, proven driver. Um, not, you know, star amazing, but uh, it could be another uh, factor that uh, people might look at as well. And, I mean, to your point, less expensive. Yeah, I mean, considering Lotus's uh, potential financial woes, that might actually play a role. Yeah, so um, you know, that's I guess with no conclusive prediction there, but uh, <laughs> well, what can we do? So yeah, I, but I'm with you uh, that uh, Massa's chances of being in a Formula One car next year seem a little soft. I, you know, he performed pretty well for Ferrari, and it does seem like maybe he's shaking loose um, a little bit. Um, the straps that he felt were holding him back because he was always supposed to help Alonzo out and be supportive. But, uh, you know, it's just, he, he had, he's had a pretty long career and a really good run and a really unlucky accident that he's pretty much overcome. I mean, not entirely, but you got to give the guy a lot of credit. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that would be outside of Formula One that uh, would show a lot of interest. But um, I really want to touch on this before we get to our listeners um there is a chance and i'm very hopeful of this that we will have two um united states grand prix next year well a united states grand prix and a grand prix of america or whatever that's supposed to be called (laughs) but yeah two two races in this country um it's still a little shaky ground, I think, with yes. New Jersey. But what they, they, they've got, what, a temporary reprieve saying, okay, you were supposed to have everything to right. us by the 20th, and now it's the 22nd, but we're going to provisionally put you on the calendar, maybe. It's paperwork. Yeah. I mean, as so much as anything. So but it's, it's there's not, motivation to get it done. It's not completely dead. Um, but, yeah, if it happens, it will be June 1st, um, which, as it stands right now from the provisional calendar, is a week after Monaco and a week before Canada. And the Canada thing makes sense. Okay, back to back. They're both, you know, relatively close to each other and so on. Um, but uh, a week after Monaco is is kind of um, – that seems a bit tough because you'll have uh, – that's, of course, you know, one of the European rounds. They'll probably have all the motorhomes and the stuff. They drive stuff to Monaco. Um and then presumably they will have to already have a sort of second set of stuff already shipped over to North America um, to be ready for uh, for the U.S. But usually um, one of the first times that there is a new race, um, they don't do it a back-to-back. And when it's in a new country, you know, any new race venue, just because all the logistics of getting everything both imported into the country yes. um, and set up and figured out and all, you know, you know, they know what roads they're going to close down and stuff. It's not a matter of figuring that stuff out. It's just a, the matter of actually executing it and any last minute problems and whatever. So like the first time they go to Korea, the first time they went to India, those kind of things, they'll have, you know, a week or two or even three buffer beforehand to make sure that everything gets set up and working and there's no problems. True. But they've also in many senses had an extra year to sort, I hope, at least some of those issues out to have a clear understanding of this is how this will go. Yeah, and, but I think it's really like, it's it's not the race organizer people, but it's sort of like making sure that, you know, the shipping people, you know, getting getting huh. stuff, customs, yeah. like unloaded in the right spot and, um, and you know, just having, you know, because if you have a, your container of stuff held up in customs for a week, um, and that means you have no garages and you have no tools and you have no spares, like, that's a problem, you know, so probably that's not something that's that's going to happen, but those are the kind of things you have to worry about, especially, I think, when you're going to, uh, uh, you, you know... You want, like, IndyCar to provide spares, like, here, put this on, here, put like, this have weird... a Target Chip Ganassi wing on. That would actually be kind of cool. <laughs> it would be kind of cool. Right. Um, so, one last note on this uh, race, though, is one of the, 
you know, as we said, the, the you know, Weber had his retirement. Uh, Alonzo gave him a lift back to the pits, and you oh, know, yeah. sort of this time honored tradition, uh, you know, of every once in a while, you know, sort of sportsmanship and whatever. Uh, Weber got a penalty for that. What? For entering the. Oh no! Um, you're kidding me. Right? No, entered the track without Marshall's permission between the commencement of the formation lap and the time when the last car enters Park Fermé. That is broken. Article thirty point nine B of the for sporting regulations. Sakes. He gets a ten plays grid penalty for Korea. <laughs> um, Alonso was that's, also given a reprimand. Not, that's, not a penalty. That's ridiculous. Right. Not a penalty for Alonso, but a reprimand because he drove the car in a manner which could be deemed potentially dangerous to other drivers oh or my. any other person. Oh, my gosh. In this case, two cars had to take avoiding action as a result. Two so cars had to take avoiding action. So that sucks because he's, he's trying to be cool about it. And we just talked about at the beginning of the show. Oh, he's being cool and it's sportsmen and his friends and whatever. And yet now Weber gets a penalty for it. This – that – I'm sorry. I – I understand rules are rules and safety and all that kind of stuff, but that is an example of Formula One overreaching. That is too political, too rule. Come on, it's I mean, like they, it's like suing a podcast run by fans. It's just <laughs> you just don't you just don't do that. It's just why? How is that going to go well for yeah, you in the long term? That is very apropos, sir. I mean, you know, come on. The the race was over. The dude's car broke down on the last lap. Alonso crossed the checkered flag before he picked up Weber. I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah, but it was on the, during the formation lap. No one's allowed to get on the formation. Anyway, it's it's just it's, yeah, being a bit corporate and... It's and being it's way by the corporate book yeah. and, and whatnot. Yes. Um, I think we should move on, though. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. And that, my friends, is a clip of audio sent in to us by loyal listener Scott Christie, who has taken on the uh, the, the moniker of being uh, Chris Christie's son. I don't think he really is, but uh, he's, he's taken to that title and uh, and roll with it. So he apparently was in attendance at the Singapore Grand Prix this weekend. Good and, for him, uh, man. Sent us, sent us two clips of audio, so thank you for that. That's always cool when we've got fans on site uh, doing their thing. So that was, uh, that was Masa in the last few minutes of Q3 going through the last turn on the main straight. And uh, oh no, it does say right here, not the real Gov's son, but he's still uh, taking taking the taking the title, the honorary, whatever. But, I am I am more disappointed for the governor than I am because obviously you would have been a great son for this governor. I mean, you're guy. going to you know Formula One and you're hanging out in Singapore. Yeah, that's, cool that's, that is all good. That's stuff. the end of it right there. Yep. And uh, on, uh, on Twitter, we had all the usual good conversation on FW cars. Um, and I'm here to tell you something publicly. I. Am here to admit that Twitter is indeed for adults, and I have to use it too. I have to learn how to use Twitter. You know what the best part about this is? You're not saying this on Twitter. You're saying this <laughs> in another form of communication because you still haven't actually started to use Twitter. But there's so many buttons and numbers, and I don't know how it so, works. So Ben Benazuma, um, right at the very beginning of the uh, you know uh, the race, yeah, boring race to come. <laughs> yeah, and he was you know almost right. Um, and then, you know, Clint, uh, Clint Matlock's, oh, it looks like Vettel's 10-plus second lead is gone with the safety car, but it'll only take about four laps to get it back, judging from Rosberg's pace, and he was correct there as well. So, um, yeah, people getting stuff done during the, uh, during the safety car periods. Um, you know, Bernard A. mentioning, yeah, Vettel's going to finish a minute ahead of second place, making F1 look like drying paint. So uh, people had their, <laughs> had their opinions today. Um, yes, just a couple of people yes. taking part of the conversation, but uh, we appreciate that as always. It's really good-looking drying paint. I mean, let's be honest. And also, uh, you know, a bunch of... Uh, 
Great commentary on Facebook as always. James Payne, Dave Stevens, Stuart Mitchell, Dave, uh, Sean Scanlon, and uh, this uh, this guy. I I don't know if this is maybe it's uh, Loatian or something. Uh, found with cares. He he posted a link about uh, Kimi Raikkonen moving to Ferrari and about this guy, uh, young Mr. Juan Montoya, going back to IndyCar, which I'm actually quite excited for. I mean, we had this conversation about IndyCar in the past, and this news, is as much as anything, is going to get me watching it on a regular basis again. Yeah, man. Uh, it should be it should be cool to see him go from, you know, he's been in NASCAR for a while and had a couple of good results and a couple of crashing into a jet dryer and setting on fire results. Um, but... Um, <laughs> To uh, yeah, get back in IndyCar, that'll be cool. We'll see if uh, we'll see if he still fits in an IndyCar seat or has to uh, lay off the cheeseburgers just a little bit. Yes. but should be fun anyway. But uh, yeah, and uh, again, been big thanks to Scott Chrissy. It was very cool to uh, hear those. Yep, uh, Will Carver on Facebook um, <laughs> chimes in. Such a shame. Seb has managed to make F1 duller than it was under Shumi. Might tune Ooh, in next dull-er. season. Wow. Might tune in next season. That's not even a will. That's a might. Wow. So there you go. Although you think, you know, to the Ferrari guys, the whole thing, I think, Will, you should tune in next season. Maybe even the rest of the season, but, you know, we'll... Uh, you should tune into that top-tier European open-wheel motorsport thing. That we've discussed in the past. Yeah, whatever that is. Whatever it is. All right, let's predict this thing. Yes. After predicting Hamilton and that being a bit ho-hum, I really thought I was going to be in serious threat for the top spot. But alas, I held on. So I'm still ranked number one in this bad boy, which is kind of cool. That is because these player scores have been calculated from predictions up to and including the Italian Grand Prix. Duh! And results have not yet come in for Duh! Singapore. Well, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this lead for as long as possible. <laughs> No, I think you're in pretty good shape, but yeah, because we're recording this just after the race has ended, we don't have all the results uh, and that's totally cool on and the thing yet. That's what makes it exciting if but you, more, people are close in. More importantly, Vettel Vettel was a very lame but very accurate prediction, um, which was my and Damien's prediction for this week. And you can't argue with it, frankly. I, I, I can't even argue with it in a sarcastic way. I mean... <laughs> Vettel won in such a way to like. There's, I'm doing this. I'm I'm remaining fast just to make sure that no one can argue with this. That's that that was the speed he put in, and because of that, moving forward, I am going to, I'm going to say that it is even less likely that Vettel can maintain this. I really think that uh, we're in um, we're in for a change. So you're going to see. Um, someone else come up on top. And I think that someone is going to be on pole and win the race. And I think it's going to be um, Jensen Button. That's who I think is going to do it. And I'm going to put it in right now. I'm going to write this in right now. I feel like so, you're, oh, you're hitting oh, the, shit, the Vettel button. Shoot. I, uh, but yeah. I bumped the Vettel button. And oh, I hit return. Dang. All right. I messed up. So uh, I'm predicting Vettel Vettel by mistake. I mean, how how can you really... I don't know. I mean, okay, it's Korea. Yeah, it's, um, they, there's been issues here. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's going to predict Weber, partly because now he's got this pen, grid penalty, and you know, Korea's gone wrong for him uh, in the past, yeah. and who knows? It, yeah, but yeah, so it's it's a, a lame prediction to make, um, I would say. But it's like that's actually worked pretty well for me the last right. few times I've gone that route. And I think I mean, this maybe Rosberg will get a pole. This but, will be the first time in a long time if you go Vettel Vettel, which I'm thinking you might. It's going to be the first time that all three of us, Damien, myself, and you, have predicted the exact same thing yeah, in a while. Yeah, it's lame, but I'm going to go with it. So yeah. there you have it. Vettel Vettel across the board. 
Right. Um, but do uh, do keep in mind, you can play along with us at home uh, at, and do visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash fwcars to take part in the conversation, to give us feedback on the shows and, uh, and you know, see all the, the links and other things we po- post. But also, of course, to, uh, to do predictions and uh, make yours and you can change them all the way up until um, Friday practice starts. Um, but uh, we predict right on the show here now. So who knows? Maybe in the off season uh, or in the, in, the, in the off weeks here, um, you know, Vettel will you know, fall off a bridge or something and won't be able to, uh, I guess maybe that's a bad example. I can say personally, I sincerely hope not. Yeah. Don't do that though. Cause he's not left-handed. Don't forget. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. either way. So, um, we, so it's, it's, it's like, it's just a Vettel show right now. So, but it's all good. I, I mean, it's still on that train and ride it. You it's know? a Vettel show, but it's still formula one. And we still love it. Um, and, uh, quick, uh, shout out, a uh, quick shout out. Quick um, call out. Unfortunately, due to uh, our schedules, we are not going to be able to do a Korean podcast as such. But that's okay because uh, the Japanese Grand Prix is always a favorite for both Jim and I, and we're gonna we're gonna make uh, we're gonna make a show out of that for sure because they always make a show for us. And it's usually a better race than Korea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Not this to is put true. too fine a point. Is on it going to be Suzuka this year? Uh, it, yeah. Or? Yeah. 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 Oh, because oh. it's still the. Is it still the Fuji Suzuka Fiji Suzuka swap? Well, it's certainly not Fiji. I know. Well, whatever. Not Fiji. You know what I'm saying? Mount Fuji Fuji. Yeah. But uh, no, it's Suzuka. Okay, sweet. Because Suzuka, seriously, one of my all-time favorite tracks. That place is epic. I don't think Fuji is part of the thing anymore. I think it's all Suzuka. Either way, this year for certain it's Suzuka, and uh, but it's coming up next, Yongnam Circuit in Korea that nobody really likes. So well, whatever. What can you do? We will still watch we'll the race watch somehow, as, but we just fans. can't. We can't cast properly. Right. Fair enough. But but we will see you in Japan. Yes. Well, <laughs> if <laughs> if you listen to us in Japan and somehow see us, that's amazing. But you will hear us <laughs> discussing the race that will have happened by that point in Japan. I mean, we won't be in Japan. Just we'll be in Michigan. <laughs> You get is it is it good? All right. Well, either way, yeah, either way, well, uh, I will say I'm Jim Lau and I'm Robin Warner. There's no poem. I'm so sorry. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>